What's going on everybody? Glenn P. Brooks Jr. here. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I'm a coach. And I wanna welcome you to We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I get the opportunity to add value to entrepreneurs, business owners, and ministry leaders, both on and offline. And this episode is gonna be no different. Stick around and we're gonna get started right now. Welcome back to another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. I'm Glenn P. Brooks Jr. I'm crazy excited about today. I know that many of you guys hear me say that every week that you listen to another edition of the podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited. Let me tell you why I am, particularly in this case, a number of years ago in the early 2000s, we were building a ministry organization and we were trying to do things we had never done before. And long before social media was a thing, um, we had a chance to meet a brother who was doing the thing and he was changing the world through a platform called uh, streamingfaith.com. Now, here's here's the crazy thing. As much as he was a, a, a techie in that respect, he was absolutely a brilliant communicator. And there weren't a lot of people that we were meeting back then that could help explain the tech. Why is this work this way? Um, he was really, really transparent, became a friend. I remember sitting in his office uh, for hours in Midtown and just kind of chopping it up on ideas and thoughts. Oh, uh- Right, right. Before before you go to OHA, because I want you to unpack that really slowly, because there's so many people that are listening. By the way, guys, if you're just jumping in the car, maybe you are on a treadmill and this guy doesn't have his headsets in and you're hearing this whole conversation. Get that workout in, bro. Keep keep going. But you're listening to a brilliant mind. His name is Dr. Rodney Sampson. I call him a friend. And um, a lot of the things that you guys and you talk full circle, Rodney, I want you to take us back a little bit before we get into OHUB and help people understand sort of who you are, what you do, why you do it, who you do it for. But in context of this, I honestly believe that where when you see great brands, there are great stories behind those brands that quite frankly, if it's not for that story, you'd never see or interact with that brand. So can you talk to us just a little bit, bring us uh, into take us down the annals of time a little bit and bring us into your world of just understanding your mind. How did you grow? How did you get exposed to this? I think people need to understand sort of where this comes from and then we'll take them from there. You know, when I, when I talk about early exposure in technology, you know, I, I think about, uh, you know, one Christmas asking for a computer, getting it. I think about early, you know, computer science classes at uh, Frederick Douglass high school. Uh, I remember, you know, building my first uh, website at, at Penn State uh, and then marrying my wife who had a broadcast uh, journalism background and, you know, now bringing the, the video side, the audio side, the production side um, to the, you know, to the table. And, you know, I, I literally was the chief, you know, and you've, you've served in this role before, you know, some folks call it uh, chief administrative officer, administrator, chief of staff. You know, I, I was at uh, Reverend Timothy Fleming, Mount Carmel Baptist Church. It's interesting. Um, uh, my buddy Steve Case, you know, founder of AOL, in his, his recent book, Rise of the Rest, dedicates two uh, pages to uh, to the story. And, you know, we, my wife and I were excited. We told some folks in New Orleans last week, and they were like, you mean Steve Case, the billionaire? Steve Case, AOL, you got mail? I was like, yeah. He's telling your story. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm grateful, um, you know, 
forgetfulness is a form of erasure, right? When people rewrite history, that's a form of erasure. And so, um, you know, yeah, Steve, Steve talks about how, you know, uh, Streaming Faith was really launched to solve a problem, uh, which is, you know, the fundamental definition of a business is um, you solve a problem that people are willing to pay for. Um, if they don't pay for it, you know, I guess you're a philanthropist or it's your hobby. But if people will pay you for it, that is fundamentally, you know, what what a business is. And, of course, there are different types of businesses. Um, I've kind of hung my hat in the high growth company building, um, the scalable um, company building uh, sector. So Streaming Faith was really born at Mount Carmel Baptist Church, man, uh, Camelton Road in southwest Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we fought to bring a T1 line into the community that brought broadband to that um, underserved community. And I asked for the, the best equipment um, to start doing stuff. And that's really where um, um, Streaming Faith, you know, was was launched. And my wife did, you know, the first go to market strategy and, and campaign reach billions. Now you might might remember that. I do. Um, so that was really, you know, my my introduction and, you know, why streaming faith? Well, I also had a, a context growing up. I had four uncles who were pastors. I was a musician, a you know, pianist, pianist and organist, um, keyboardist coming along. And so I, li- I grew up in the church and I also understood the, the economics of church and how when you see those ministries on television, you know, that's not time given to them. That's time that they purchase. And so the whole business of media is something that, you know, I really, really learned at Reverend Fleming's church and started to solve a problem. How can we, um, these content creators or these ministries uh, reach billions of people and, and or reach billions in donations um, or in subscriptions now or in advertising you know, all of the things that we talked about then are what people are doing now. Um, but, Bruh. you know, I, I look back, you know, it really, we didn't even, <clears throat> everyone calls it streaming. Now, when we first started, it was IPTV or multicasting. And then it became streaming because we helped to brand it as streaming. Um, you know, us and, and a few other few other conferences and trade shows. But so that's really yeah. was the context of how I got into tech as a startup, not worker, but founder, co-founder of my own startup, raised venture capital, created jobs, um, built a company that was eventually um, acquired, which is in my space, the goal is to have your company acquired, is not to hold on to it forever. There's some companies that you do hold on to forever and pass them down, but there's some companies that um, the whole goal is to, Especially yep. if it has venture capitals to build it and sell it, but Absolutely. I was called there. So, 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 Rodney, and I'm I'm grateful, man. There's so many different um, angles that I am like exploring in my mind. I wrote down the question: What problem do you solve? If you're listening to this, I want you to begin to internalize that you're a business owner. But what problem do you solve? And, and the question is: How are you solving it? Right, Rodney? Can you talk to us a little bit about because I, as a coach these days, um, you know, and I'm still very heavily involved in the ministry space, but God is just showing me how I can be effective in different ways. There are so many people who have these ideas 
and they can't seem to quite get funded. They don't know how to fund them. Uh, Sheree and I have built what we've done over the last eight years and maybe what you and I have not caught up on since we've talked. We've written nine books together, brother. We've sold well over 50,000 copies of these books, and I don't have a publisher. And I've done that simply by leveraging things that are at my hands to do, and it generated me revenue for me to take it and flip it and do other things with it. Um, that birth speaking careers, that birth coaching communities and things like that. Can you talk to us a little bit about this VC world and educate us, if you will, um, around what it is? Because there's so many people that I get to work with that don't get it. They don't recognize that uh, you could get paid a king's ransom for the idea that you have. And there are people sitting around waiting for you to show up, but you don't know that they exist Break VC down, explain to us as if we were fourth graders what it is and how do we as a people take advantage of that? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I often joke that venture capital is about as old as civil rights in this country as a as an industry that is recognized and an asset class that is an investment asset class that is governed um, by the Securities and Exchange um, uh, commission, even though um, most venture capital involves private uh, placements or private equity, private offerings, there are still rules that you have to, you know, securities laws, um, many of them created in the 1940s as a response to the Great Recession. Um, but these securities laws um, tell us um, how we can raise capital, who we can raise it from, how much um, we can raise it as well. And, and, and I'm on the side of evolving the rules so that more people can invest in this asset class, even as risky as it is. Uh, it is an incredible job creator. Startups are responsible. Uh, and the startups that are venture backed are responsible uh, for two thirds of net new jobs. That's about 24% of our gross domestic product. So if you really don't understand where, where startups fit in, um, you, you should think more about that um, because they're incredible job creators. Um, but that investment only represents about 3% of the capital stack or the investment stack in America. 3% venture capital, then you've got private equity, which is like the stuff Robert Smith does, just so you understand. You know, Robert Smith is not investing 50000 to one, five, ten million a company. He's buying existing businesses for hundreds of millions or billions of dollars um, and turning them around and then reselling them over time. So private equity is different than you know venture capital. I know people use the words inter interchangeably. And so venture capital fuels high growth startups, high growth companies that have um, scalable products, and systems, okay? Um, every company is not venture-backable. Um, again, venture capital is just one type of uh, investment uh, or investment security. Um, you got debt, and you got different types of debt as well. Then you got convertible notes, which is kind of like a hybrid or can be a hybrid of debt. Um, and investment. And we teach, you know, we teach a lot of this stuff in our high growth company building certificate, uh, which we're about to uh, bring online in an asynchronous format. Um, 
we'll be teaching this in New Orleans coming up for 100 um, startups in the new energy space. So there, you know, you when you're in the OHUB universe or you know, download the OHUB app, you'll be connected to these types of um, resources, the free ones, and then the ones that you do have to make uh, make an investment in. But but Glenn, um, oh, one thing I do want to note is again, venture capital fuels high growth companies that have high growth um, products. Okay. Rodney, I want to stop right there yeah. because, and I'm thinking about our audience right now, um, because, and you go back to say, not every business is is uh, is is a, is positioned, aligned, structured uh, to even attract a venture capitalist or, or venture capital. Can you explain to the audience? Give us an example of, of, of a scalable business, a scalable product, a scalable service that a VC would say, oh, you know what? And because I think that when people watch Shark Tank, what's funny to me, and I understand this world enough to know, when they walk in, I can tell you before they start, before they finish their pitch, they're not going to get backed at all. Right. Because what they're trying to get back is not quantifiable. I can't put my hands on it. And these people are not about the numbers. They're about the scalability. And that involves the numbers. But help us understand that, man, because I think that you got people running around in circles trying to do things and they're wasting their time. But they could be spending their time making their business much more scalable and attractive if that's the route they want to go. Come on, talk to us. Absolutely. So if, if you want to find uh, examples. I'm, I'm going to. I am going to give you some venture back com, uh, companies. You know, check out sites like um, Crunchbase, uh, TechCrunch, PitchBook, um, AngelList, Republic. Um, uh, you know, rewind it and get them. You know, just write them down. But um, these are the places where you can go and see venture back deals, and you know how much these companies raise. Sometimes who they raised it from, you can track the pre-seed to the C to the Series A, Series B, Series C, down round, exit. You know, the whole series of, 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 of capital rounds um, are available. Um, but, you know, Multicast and Streaming Faith was an example of a venture-backed company, right? Most venture-backed companies involve software. They involve some form of technology that they create, not that you know, they go, you know, buy or get a subscription to, um, um, but they build the software or they have someone that builds it for them and maintains and grows and scales the, the product, right? And so it starts with the product, the problem, the total addressable market, and then discovering uh, what we call product market fit where you understand how you price a market based upon the feedback or responses that you get um, from your target would be target um, customers. I'll give you an example. You know, Glenn, if I said, hey, Glenn, uh, if I built this for you, would it solve this? And you say, absolutely. And then I say, well, how much would you pay me for it, Glenn? And you say, hmm, I probably pay you 30 bucks a month for that. <clears throat> well, I'm going to have that conversation with 100 other people that I believe 
might be my target customer for this product. And then I'm basically going to get a consensus on what they say. Cause somebody might say, Oh my God, I paid 300. Well, if I get 10 people that say that, um, you know, then I'm probably going to go with something more close to that number. So companies that go through that scalable process are the ones that venture capitalists look at. Right. <laughs> Excuse you, me. You, you said Early allergies here. No, it's okay. And yeah. I, I just want to jump in because it reminds me of a conversation that you and I had on the telephone. I was sitting in, I think it might have been Linux Mall, and I will never forget this conversation. I was sitting down with, at the time, my business partner or a business partner of mine, and we were doing some some, uh, some business stuff out of ministry, if you will, trying to figure some things out. And you said something to me that today I recognized was so uncommon in terms of how we thought that I didn't realize that you were trying to position us so that we could, as an organization, attract bigger opportunities for investors to come alongside of us and help us do things that we could not do on our own. And it went something like this. So Glenn, let me ask you this. How many CDs and DVDs do y'all have on this subject in y'all's library? And I said thousands. Mm -hmm. And you said, here's what would it look like if we package that up and we put a subscription number on that and we figure out how to get people into this subscription-based thing. You granted, you know, you remember this conversation, right? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if we can do that. And then my partner was really concerned because now we're talking about intellectual property and all these different things. Rodney, the fear that I think most people have is that they don't understand how these games are played. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, they they don't take advantage of something. And, and I think to, to this day, Rodney, I built a, a multi-six-figure business, man, in the last eight years. My first outing as an entrepreneur around that subscription model. I owe you, know, you I'm, I'm like, I'm like Beyonce, you, like, man. Like, 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 bro, I owe <laughs> you. I, listen. And I yeah. don't think that people understand. There's a reason why Rihanna has become a billionaire the way she's done it. And that these things, but what the point I'm making is, is that today this is commonplace. People hear this <laughs> stuff a lot, but it also came from a place. Why are you, why are you laughing, Rodney? I'm, I'm laughing, man, because I'm over here thinking about Rihanna's song. Pay me what to owe me. <laughs> that part. Uh, or uh, what does um, Beyonce say? It's pay me in equity, right? Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, man, uh, it's incredible that you, you know, you, you monetize that definitely that that conversation and we're we're still at the at the beginning level of you know niche entrepreneurs that have niche content you know everyone's not going to be the netflix but you know you and i would take 10 20 30,000 subscribers right um which is where where we're taking streaming faith and pixel we've now built that technology and still are improving it inside of our you know our platform. So, and that's the powerful thing about software um, and being able to build it, manage it and scale it. Uh, and if you don't have that skill set, you can develop it or you can find people that do have that respective skill set. Having that skill set on your team is going to be important if you are building a technology uh, startup. 100%. Speaking of all of that, man, we can't get out of here today without talking about OHUB, uh, your latest um, venture and some of the different neat things that you guys are doing. 
um, crisscross in the globe. You're working in concert with a lot of institutions, and and I'm 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 crazy proud of you, man. Um, just watching you growth, and you know when I saw you um, sitting uh, addressing Congress, and I saw that flash up on my timeline, I said, "That's my guy." But I knew that then. I didn't know how it would unfold. I didn't know. But for me, I've always just been excited to be able to see people's evolution. Talk to us about OHUB. What is it? How can people get involved? Who is it for? So in the, in the same theme, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what OHUB is. So one, what, what is the problem? Uh, the problem is um, society um, is moving quickly into what we call the fourth industrial revolution, which is the convergence of edge technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, quantum computing, a, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, blockchain, you know, new energy, um, you, you cyber security, all these edge technologies, which are backed primarily by venture capital, are basically changing the way decisions are being made for everyday people. And if you are not investing in that ecosystem, if you're not working in that ecosystem or running a business or working at one of the businesses in that respective ecosystem, um, then you're going to be a part of the have nevers uh, versus the haves, right? We're going to literally have a generation of haves and, and have nevers. And so that's the problem. And a lot of people look at it contextually uh, when they look at their their wealth gap. And if we also look at the racial wealth gap and we look at the income gaps in this country, when I look at the data from my colleagues um, at HRA advisors and and the Brookings Institution, there should be 1.2 million more uh, black and Latino people in the tech ecosystem. Again, as workers, as entrepreneurs and investors, right? There should be 1.2 million. Um, That is a uh, nearly $50 billion income gap that our community is missing out on because we're not in tech startup venture 4.0, right? 50 billion times 20 years, that's a trillion dollars that our community won't realize. And so Opportunity Hub, OHUB, is the platform to usher the people that do not know about the fourth industrial revolution or do not know about the opportunities in the technology startup and venture. And, and when I say technology, that might mean, you know, our black women in cyber. It might mean our new energy technology incubator. It might mean, you know, all of the different industries that lead to that, all of those respective industries defined as tech. And our goal is to bring the people who don't even know it exists tell them it exists, but then bring them into it with the skills, the entrepreneurship opportunities, and the capital or access to capital. Um, and we started as place. We started off with co-working spaces and you know real estate. And, and we had the largest Black-owned co-working company um, in, in, in the country, probably even, even the world. Then we added programs because place wasn't enough, right? You can have a mega church with no message. It's just a building, right? And a people... It's just an edifice. So uh, having um, the programming, the coding boot camps, the cybersecurity boot camps, the sales boot camps, um, the investment boot camps, the, the entrepreneurship boot camps and the classes and the certificates, that's what makes the, the an informed community that can now go out, work, start or invest. So we move from place 
to programs. And now we've stacked products uh, because a lot of people who want to work in tech, Glenn, or a lot of people who want to start a tech startup or a lot of people who want to raise money, they all ask the same questions. And so when you start getting, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of emails across all your platforms and people are asking the same question, you say, okay, let me productize this response. And the way we productize it is by, you know, building a mobile app, web app, and putting our content in it as well. And so that's what OHUB is doing. And ultimately, this is a ministry. Uh, This is our ministry. This is our response to the markets, right? Um, And this is the trillion-dollar universe. (laughs) Bro, let me say this, and and Ruby, you just hit it. in the chat, she said, and I know we're recording this, so many of you listen to the podcast and said, well, who is Ruby? Uh, for those of you that don't know, we are recording this podcast in front of a live audience, okay? And uh, it's a virtual audience, but it's very much live, and, and there are people who are chiming in on some of the things that Rodney is saying. And Ruby said, Coach Ruby said, no, there is space for us. And this coming from a person who is a scientist, a black woman who is a scientist, who also is an, Olympic, uh, an, an Olympian or an Olympic athlete, okay? I, I think, and, and this is what I'd like everybody to do, and Christine, I'm not sure if who's ever here. Uh, let's get um, something posted. Rodney, you've got to be able to tell people, like, where can we go uh, to find out more about OHUB? I need to join this community. Um, we need to reconnect um, Sheree and I are getting ready at the time of this recording. We're about nine weeks out from moving to Panama City, Panama. And the entire reason we're moving there mm. is to position ourselves physically to be a part of a global community. And I'm doing it with great intentionality because we recognize that 98% of what we do business-wise is done online and we can live anywhere we want. So what would it look like for me to immerse myself in a culture of of black and brown people? They just happen to speak a different language and help them understand this. And I need for us to collectively continue to come together to add value to these communities that I get to lead in this respect. So, so man, please tell us about OHUB. There's so many people that need to know about it. How do they get involved? What do you guys got happening? And then we're going to allow our live studio audience to pop up on stage after we uh, shut down the recording. And uh, we're going to go ahead and allow you guys to come up and ask your questions. Come on, come on, come on, come on, professor. Absolutely. Opportunity hubs. Um, OHUB, O-H-U-B for short. You can find us in both of the app stores. There's a web app um, as well at www.ecosystemapp.co. Um, that's how we can get started. It's free to download the app. Um, we post our events. We post our programs. There are different ecosystems that we're launching um, in the app as well. Case in point, uh, we have uh, received a federal uh, sub-award from the Commerce Department's Economic Development Administration um, to launch a new energy technology incubator in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, we talk about our monthly events. We talk about, look, we're looking for 100 people with new energy ideas. You may say, what's new energy? Well, new energy is the type of energy that will power the planet that won't destroy the planet, basically. So climate, tech, hydrogen, you name it. Um, we are looking for 100 um, new energy ideas, and we will be incubating these um, companies, and we will select five, Glenn, to invest 
um, $100,000 each annually. So we're investing ourselves. So that's that program. Over in North Carolina, we're managing a $50 million um, venture fund of funds on behalf of the state. Uh, we're in the process of selecting our venture funds soon. Once we do that, we'll make the announcement, and then startups can reach out to those respective funds. They won't reach out to us because we're not directly investing. Uh, we got some things percolating in Alabama as well, but you can definitely find us nationwide online. And then we drop stuff on the socials as well. Um, I mean, this Friday, I got a sister from Atlanta. She's an HBCU grad. She Her problem, she was solving for food insecurity, and she figured out how to incentivize restaurants um, you know, and food chains with carbon credits that they can cash in, right? And a tax credit, takes a tax credit. And so uh, Jasmine Crow uh, with Gooder, um, uh, Jasmine Crow Houston now, she's married, with Gooder, has raised over $10 million in venture capital, okay? And then when I posted it, uh, one of her good friends and one of our portfolio companies, uh, Savitra Wilson, has a company called Resilia, um, and she has raised $50 million for her company. So, I mean, these are black women, too. So also what I want to put out there is when I talk about, you know, who's raising capital or where are the tech startups, um, you know, Harlem Capital puts out an annual report on who's investing and who are the startups that have received capital. And you can go find these um, growing companies um, out there. But there are about a thousand, probably a little bit over 1,000 companies um, in the last 20 or so years founded by black people um, that have raised over $1 million in venture capital, right? Um, wow. Now, that that that's a big number for us, um, but when you compare that to the macro, it's a small number, and that's why we got some work to do. Uh, Glenn, we got to get more of our people seeing themselves. Your first entrepreneurial experience ought to be seeing yourself as an investor, making sure you got your burial policy, your life insurance policy, all the simple stuff, right? Get the simple stuff in place and then go play a little, you know, go invest in the startups. Uh, look, if you know, if you can buy um, some Yeezys and some pocketbooks and, and whatever, you can invest in startups. That part, that part, that part. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Professor Rodney Sampson, He's brilliant at what he does. He loves, obviously, you guys can hear the passion, uh, but he's real. He's got the receipts, and I am honored that God's allowing our paths to reconnect, man, after all these years. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time. Hang tight, Rodney. Uh, for those of you guys who are in on Clubhouse, there is a link at the top of the room. It'll get you right to Opportunity Hub. O-Hub is what it's called. Um, we got some talking to do, bro. I've got so many things that's going down that I'm just excited. Um, last minute, anything you want to share before we uh, conclude this uh, particular uh, interview real quick, Rod? Uh, man, I'm just excited um, to reconnect with you and, and to be here. Yeah, I am too, man. Guys, my guy, Rodney Sampson, here's what I know to be true. You cannot get to any place of significance, guys, by yourself. And the reason is it's because we all need some help. I'll see you guys back in the next edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. 
Well, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us once again for another edition of We All Need Some Help Wednesday, the podcast. Uh, Be sure to download this, and if you need to connect to us any kind of way, uh, you can reach us at www.glennpbrooksjr.com. At the end of the day, y'all already know what time it is. You cannot get to any place of significance by yourself because we all need some help. Y'all be good, and we'll talk soon.